Revelation chapter 1, verse 12. When I turned to see who was speaking to me, I saw seven gold lampstands. And standing in the middle of the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man. He was wearing a long robe with a gold sash across his chest. His head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like flames of fire. His feet were like polished bronze, refined in a furnace, and his voice thundered like mighty ocean waves. He held seven stars in his right hand, and a sharp two-edged sword came from his mouth. And his face was like the sun in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as if I were dead. But he laid his right hand on me and said, don't be afraid. I'm the first and the last. I am the living one. I died, but look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and the grave. And all God's people said, write down what you have seen, both the things that are now happening and the things that will happen. This is the meaning of the mystery of the seven stars you saw in my right hand and the seven gold lampstands. The seven stars are now the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. We're in these last days, these last times, right here and right now. There's a temptation to take Jesus for granted. And that's the message he's given me today. Don't take him for granted. He's not the baby in the manger and he's not just the man on the cross. He's the man that went down to Hades and he set the captives free and he rose again on Sunday. That's who he is. And he's alive today. He's alive today. The temptation in our world today is to say, oh, no, he's just a sweet baby in a manger. He doesn't care what I do or how I live my life. Or, no, no, he's just the man on the cross. He died for my sins so I can live however I want. No, no, no. He lived and died and put himself on the cross by that choice so we can be set free. That's why he did it. Not so we can live in slavery to sin and darkness anymore. Don't abuse his grace. Now go with me to Romans. I know some of you, you're like, I've been standing for a while now, but man, this is good. Let's stand to show honor to his word. Romans chapter six. I gotta warn my tech guy, there's stuff coming to me right now that I didn't give this scripture for. So if you got your Bibles, you may wanna open up with us. Romans six, this is where he wants us to go right here. Romans six, verse one. Well, then should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? We believe that sometimes, right? We live that way. Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism? We joined him in his death. For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. We're not free in our sin. 
That's what the world tells us. The world tells us you are free. Do what you want. Do what you feel like doing. Do what feels good. No, 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 no. That's a lie from the pit of hell. That's a lie from Satan himself because he knows that you're slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead. He will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. Don't hold anything back. There's so many times there's parts of us that we want to hold back. We want to say, God, you can have all of me except this area of my life. I can't give it up. I don't know how to give it up. I don't know how to live without this. He's going to set you free from that today in Jesus' name. I believe that. There's something that the, the enemy has had a foothold in your life through an open door, and God is going to give you the power and strength through the, His Holy Spirit to close that door in the enemy's face today. In Jesus' name, I'm praying that over our church today. Let Him slam the door for you. Thank God, once you were slaves of sin, but now you are wholeheartedly obey this teaching we have given you. Now you are free from your slavery to sin, and you have become slaves to righteous living. Let's pray, church. God, we thank you for this moment to come and remember you, to remember what you did for us, and also to look forward to the day that you're coming back. We don't know the day, we don't know the hour, but we know you're coming back. Father, I, I pray that the church would be ready each and every one of us, that we would stay ready, that everything in us that is tempted to hold on to the things of the world, that you would kill that within us today, that you would teach us to hate what you hate, to hate sin as much as you hate sin, and to long for more of your presence, to walk in obedience to your word because it's not a burden, but it's freedom. It's not slavery but it's for our good that we walk in obedience to your word. It's for our freedom and healing that we would come out of hiding today and bring everything to the foot of the cross, that we would die to our old selves and be raised new. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can sit down now, church. I know that was a marathon for some of you. There's a line in there. In Romans, we are sure of this. Romans 6, verse 9. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Never again. That was it. It was once and for all. He will never die again. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin, but now that he lives, 
He lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Do you consider yourselves there today? Are you there? Are you in that moment where you believe that in your life? These last two years of revival, God has shown me things and he's taught me things that I, I didn't know were possible. There were some things in my life that I thought, this is just always gonna be a problem. This is gonna always be an issue. But I'm telling you today, I'm more free than I've ever been in my life, but I'm still not free as I'm gonna be. And I believe that for each and every one of you in here today. I believe that. Like through Jesus, through his power and resurrection and the Holy Spirit that he's given us as his promise, you can be free today, more free than you've ever been in your life, but you're not as free as you're going to be if you continue to walk in obedience to him. His Holy Spirit still moves and speaks. And I'm telling you, he has something for you today. He has a word for you straight from his word. It is living and active. It cuts through spirit and soul. And there's something he is giving you today to set you free. Because that's what he wants for his kids. When you give your life to him, you are adopted into the family. That's the promise of his word. You are adopted in as sons and daughters of the King Most High. Submit to him today. Bow your knees to him today because he is the only one that's come for us. No one else has come. No one else can offer what he offers. It says there in Revelation, he will not die again. There's this passage in Hebrews that I keep coming back to all week. It's Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10, verse 23. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. We sang about that today. He keeps his promises. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. You know what? I, I got to go back to last week. If you were here last week, let, let me just, we're going to come back to Hebrews 10. Go back with me, Matthew 25. Go to Matthew 25 really quick. Matthew 25, verse 1. This is the verse we talked about last week, this passage. And the more I keep reading the passages for this week, the more I know we need to talk about this one again. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The five who were foolish didn't take enough olive oil for their lamps, but the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. When the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, they were roused by the shout, Look, the bridegroom is coming. Come out and meet him. All the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps. Then the five foolish ones asked the others, Please, give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. But the others replied, We don't have enough for all of us. Go to a shop and buy some for yourselves. But while they were gone to buy oil, the bridegroom came. Then those who were ready... 
Those who were ready, those who had stayed ready. Went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, believe me, I don't know you. Believe me, I don't know you. So you too must keep watch, for you do not know the day or hour of my return. I brought my visual aid back because I love visual aids. These lamps, they looked a lot like this. If you are here last week, you know this is just a refresher for you. These are the lamps that they would carry. It could only hold about a tablespoon of oil. And so you would have to carry a flask of extra oil. As your oil ran out, you needed to refill. You had to be ready. It's inconvenient to carry this extra oil. It is. It's hard and it's difficult and it's not as easy or as nice as having one of your hands free. We want that freedom. We want to be half in, half out. When it comes to Jesus, when it comes to his church, when it comes to his calling on our lives, there's a part of us that we love the Savior part. The Lord part, that's a little more difficult. The Savior part, we, we can hold on to that. That's easy. We can walk with him in that. We can believe and trust him in that because we all want salvation insurance, right? We all want to know that when this world ends, eternity Eternity is guaranteed. It is. But if you don't make the choice to stay ready, eventually the oil runs out. And when the oil runs out, you can't borrow from others. It doesn't work like that. You got to carry your own oil. When it talks about oil in Scripture, that's the Holy Spirit. You got to carry His presence. We are temples of the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us. And to carry his presence, we have to make room within our temples. And that means letting go of some of the things we hold on to in this world to carry more of his presence. To choose to submit and obey to the king. Do you really believe he's king? Do you really believe he is who his word says he is? Somebody came up to me last week and asked, aren't we supposed to share what we've been given with people that don't know? It was a great question because when you read that, you think, why, why couldn't they just share with these other women? These other women, they, they just needed a little more oil to last until the bridegroom came back, until Jesus returned. But the others replied, we don't have enough for all of us. Go to a shop and buy some for yourselves. And I'm telling you, these women, these were not non-believers. These were not people that, that didn't know, that weren't aware. Because guess what? Church, that is our calling, to go and make disciples, to go and share the good news of Jesus, to go and spread the gospel message throughout the world of who he is and what he's done. That's our calling. These women were not non-believers. They knew. 
They had received and accepted the invite to the wedding. They knew about the wedding. They knew that they didn't know when the bridegroom would be returning exactly. They knew that they needed to be ready and to carry that extra oil, but they chose not to. They chose not to be ready. That was a choice. They disrespected the bridegroom. They disrespected his feast because they made it all about them. They made it all about them. How many of us, we're walking through life right now, and it's all about us because this is inconvenient. To carry more of his presence, to bow in obedience, to submit to him, to choose to die to ourselves and live to Christ, that's inconvenient in the world's eyes. And we want to fit in with the world. We want a little bit of Jesus, but we also want a little bit of Taylor Swift or Nelly or I don't know, whatever. You know, we just, we kind of want to blend in still a little bit. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, we try to be half in and half out with our worship of him. But most of us, we'll worship the things of this world more than we will ever worship the king. We'll go to a concert and we'll lose our minds. And we'll come here to church and we'll put our hands in our pockets and we'll cross our arms and we'll say, mm, that's a good song. That's all right. Yeah, that's a good word. Yeah. I'm not going to tell that pastor that was a good word, but that's all right. It's not my words, it's his. You're not disrespecting me, you're disrespecting him. Man, we'll give our all for the things of this world. And we'll refuse to pick up the extra oil. We'll refuse to learn to quiet ourselves and listen to his voice, to sit with his word and let it cut us, let it convict us, let it change and transform us from the inside out. That's what he wants to do. But most of us, we've just settled for that first and only one-time decision where we said, yeah, yeah, I want salvation. But I don't really want it while I'm living. I just want it right before I die. I, I want that assurance that right before he comes back, then, then I'll have time. Then I'll have time to repent. Then I'll have time to make things right. Let me tell you something. When you read that story, did those girls have time? No, they didn't have time. They weren't ready. And once the door is locked, it's locked. That's it. Too many of us, we get caught up in this game and we abuse his grace. We use his grace. There's a day coming when the door will be locked and no matter how hard we knock, no matter how hard we pound, it's not opening again. Now go back to Hebrews. Hebrews 10, verse 23. Let us hold tightly. I like that. That's perfect for this. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise let us think of ways to motivate one another, to stir one another up, 
to acts of love and good works, and let us not neglect our meeting together. This is specific for the church today. The average believer attends two out of four times a month. The average believer neglects meeting together 50% of the year. This is a command right here. Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another. Just so you know, this is not a rebuke, church. This is an encouragement for all of us, especially now. Because guess what? I know when we get to Easter and Christmas, I know we get people that are in here, and it's the first time they've been in here since Christmas, and we're glad you're here. We love you. We love you so much that we want you to know what his word says, and we don't want you to neglect meeting together because we know that he wants you ready. He wants his church ready. He wants us ready for that day when he comes back because he doesn't want to lock the door on anyone. That's not his desire. He doesn't want that. We're his kids. We've been invited to the party. Some of you, you've accepted the invitation. Some of you, you haven't accepted it yet. Maybe this is the first time you're here and there is a party. Guess what? You're invited. That's what Jesus did. His death and resurrection is an invite into the kingdom, and that's here for you today. If you want to make that decision, we've got a baptistry out there. You can make that first decision, but that's just all it is. It's that first decision. From then on, you choose every day to hold tightly, to not neglect meeting together, to be a part of his family, because inside his family, inside his house, there is healing and salvation. And there is freedom through his presence. And when his people are gathered, where two or more are gathered, his spirit is there and it is strong. And some of you, I know that's why you're here today. Because there's something in you that keeps pulling you back. And I'm telling you what that something is, it is his Holy Spirit. He is speaking to you. Listen to his voice. Submit to his calling in your life. And pick up your oil. Hold tightly to your oil. He loves you. He is for you. And I'm telling you today, you've been invited. Be ready for when he comes back because he doesn't want to shut that door on you. He doesn't want to lock you out. He came so you could be invited. He came to make a way for you to be invited. Encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Dear friends, if we deliberately continue sinning after we have received knowledge of the truth, there is no longer any sacrifice that will cover these sins. There is only the terrible expectation of God's judgment and the raging fire that will consume his enemies. For anyone who refused to obey the law of Moses was put to death without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Just think how much worse the punishment will be for those who have trampled on the Son of God and have treated the blood of the covenant which made us holy as if it were common and unholy and have insulted and disdained the Holy Spirit who brings God's mercy to us. When we continue to sin deliberately, I'm not talking like you're struggling and you're fighting and you're trying to figure it out. That's great. That's what we're all trying to do here. 
And, and that's what I'm telling you. I told you at the very beginning, there's freedom here as you continue to gather together with God's people and learn what it looks like to carry his presence, his Holy Spirit, to choose to walk in his ways and not the world's ways. As you continue to do that, there is more and more freedom to experience. I'm not talking about the struggle. I'm talking about deliberately going on sinning. I'm talking about what the world is beginning to do and what we're beginning to see. It, it was predicted long ago. You can go through and, and we'll read some of these scriptures, but those who are deliberately sinning, disobeying his word, and in fact calling what his word calls sin, calling it good and celebrating it. There's only the terrible expectation of God's judgment and the raging fire that will consume his enemies. For anyone who refused to obey the law of Moses was put to death without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Just think how much worse the punishment will be for those who have trampled on the Son of God. That's what we do. When we begin to call what his word calls sin, when we begin to call it good and noble and pure, and when we begin to celebrate what his word calls sin, we are trampling on his son. We treat the blood of the covenant which has made us holy as if it were common and unholy. Go back to Hebrews 6, verse 4 through 6. It's back near the beginning, Jake. I told you, I was, I'm jumping today. I got a lot of jumping going on. Hebrews 6, 4 through 6. For it is impossible to bring back to repentance those who were once enlightened, those who have experienced the good things of heaven and shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the power of the age to come. That's why we gather, to taste the goodness of his word. That's why we come here today. We taste the goodness of his word and the power of the age to come. And who, in, and who then turn away from God? It is impossible to bring such people back to repentance by rejecting the Son of God. They themselves are nailing him to the cross once again and holding him up to public shame. We're crucifying Christ again. When we go on and deliberately sin, when we go on and call sin good, when we go on and say that sin isn't really sin and that everybody's just okay and everybody gets in in the end, we crucify him again. Have you ever watched The Passion of the Christ? I haven't even watched that movie a second time. I couldn't even watch that movie a second time. I can't imagine our choices doing that to him again, crucifying him again. That's what the writer in Hebrews tells us. I can't even bring myself to watch a movie a second time. But some of us, our actions and our choices and our words, we're putting him back up on the cross again and trying to crucify him all over. 
We stand on the word of God. This is truth. This is from him. It's not a burden. His yoke is easy and light. He didn't give us his word and his commands to hold us back. He gave us his word and his Holy Spirit to set us free. Because by the power of the Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, he's going to give you power over every sin, darkness, addiction, everything that you've kept in the dark, everything that you thought you could never overcome. He's going to give you power over the darkness because that is what the power of the resurrection and the power of his Holy Spirit does. Yes, he's good. He's here right now. He is living and active and speaking to each and every one of us in this moment. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 22, always be joyful, never stop praying, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Do not stifle or quench the Holy Spirit. Do not scoff at prophecies, but test everything that is said. Hold on to what is good. Hold on to his spirit. Hold on to his word. Stay away from every kind of evil. But too many of us, we keep setting down that extra oil and we keep trying to see how close we can get to this world, how close we can get to the evil that this world offers because it looks appealing. It looks fun. It looks like everyone else is having a great time. Run from it. Learn to hate what he hates. He loves people, but he hates sin. The battle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the powers and principalities and rulers of the darkness. He came to defeat them once and for all. That is what he did. Do not quench his Holy Spirit. Worship team, you guys can come up as we get ready to close out here. He came to defeat the darkness. Jesus literally robbed the grave. He stole from the powers of hell. And so now there's only one card Satan has left to play. It's you. 1 Timothy 4.1. Now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last time, some will turn away from the true faith. They will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. There are churches now today, there are preachers now today that are preaching the doctrine of demons. And they will tell you it's from the Holy Spirit, it's from another spirit. If it doesn't line up with his word, it's not from him. You go back to his word. If you're not sure, you go back here to his truth and you line it up in his word and you'll know whether it's from him or whether it's from one of these deceptive spirits. They are at work, the powers of darkness in this world. And they have their own doctrine that they want us to play. And it is his last card that he has left. It's to convince us, you and me, to make a mockery of the cross. To steal its power. To convince us of our own self-righteousness. That we're good people. We're nice people. That we're saved by our acts of righteousness. I took a picture when I was serving the other day and I posted on social media, look how good I am. I, I, I did something and I let everybody know, look how good I am. We do all these things to try and impress people, but he knows. He sees everything. It was never about impressing people. 
It was about living for the living God. Bowing to the king in obedience to his word. The enemy wants to convince you that you're good, that you're good enough. You don't need that extra oil. You can have a little bit of Jesus and you can have a lot of the world. The doctrine of demons tells us there is no sin. It's a lifestyle. It's an identity. Your truth is the truth. What you feel is true is true to you, and that's all that matters. That's the doctrine of demons. But he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. That's what we need to remember today and need to realize and submit to today in this moment. The gospel of Jesus, his doctrine tells us that. Any other way is the way of demons. It's his only card left to convince us that sin does not exist. But if sin does not exist, the cross was meaningless. He did not need to die, but the truth is our sin put him there, and he chose to die for us. Even though we deserved death, he took that pain he took that punishment and he wore it for us and he gave us his robes of righteousness. And now we walk in the white robes of righteousness by our submission to him as Lord and King. I'm telling you today, our sin is detestable to God. God turned his back on Jesus that Good Friday because he couldn't stand to look at what Jesus carried and wore on the cross Every last sin, every last secret, every shameful, selfish, corrupt, deceitful act we've ever done to break his law, nailed upon the cross in that moment, hanging there for all to see, and then buried in the tomb. And while his body was buried, his soul went to Hades, to Sheol, to set the captives free. Those who had been waiting, in the Old Testament, it talks about this place named Sheol, where the righteous and the unrighteous were left to wait until judgment came. And he came and he preached. His word spoken sets captives free and the righteous were awoken from their sleep, set free by the promised king from all the prophecies they had heard before. The Christ returned, the son of God, to steal the keys of death, to neuter the powers of hell and to rise again on the third day, fully alive, fully man, fully God, no grave could hold him. And now the same power that raised him from the dead, the Holy Spirit is offered to us. Let's rise up, church. Let's rise up as we get ready to worship here. He's here right now in this moment. God living inside of us. That's the promise today. Now we are temples of the Holy Spirit. This is the Son. This is the Son of God, and he has stolen the keys from the Son of hell. The last card he has left to play is to convince us of our own righteousness, of our own goodness, of our own wisdom, that we can be God's. It's the same card he's been playing from the very beginning with Adam and Eve, telling them you can know right from wrong. You can know good and evil. You can decide truth for yourself. He convinced them they could be like God. And he's still trying to convince us today that we can be like God, that we can be our own God's. And it's a lie from the enemy. 
That's his last card. And we rebuke it in the name of Jesus. And we surrender right now. God, we surrender everything to you. We bow to you. God, my, whew, my hands are numb. I feel your Holy Spirit right now. This is crazy. You're here in this room and you're speaking and you're moving. God, I pray for surrender right now in each and every person's heart. That we would hand every last piece of the temple over to you. We are temples of your Holy Spirit who lives inside of you. And you offer us transformation to be transformed, to be healed from every scar, every trauma, every lie, every abuse, everything the enemy has used in your life to hold you back, to hold you down, to say you can never heal. He wants to heal you today, but you can't heal what you hide. Step out of darkness into the light today. Let him anoint your wounds with his healing oil. His Holy Spirit, his presence wants to flow through your life. Surrender to him. Put out your hands right now. Put out your hands and receive his oil. Receive the promise. Receive his Holy Spirit. Put him out and receive. Say it right now. Repeat after me. God, I submit. God, I surrender. I'm yours. Holy Spirit, change me. Amen. Our healing is directly tied to our level of tolerance. The more we tolerate what God hates, the less room within his temple he has to operate. The more we tolerate sin and darkness in this world, the more we quench his Holy Spirit within us. Choose today whom you will serve. Choose today to pick up your oil, to carry it, no matter what the world says, no matter what everyone else is doing, no matter how inconvenient it might be. Choose today to carry his presence in obedience and submission to the King of Kings because he wants to restore and bring healing in this moment. Things you never thought could be healed. I'm believing for you today and I'm praying for healing and miracles in the name of Jesus. The level of holiness is about to rise in your life as you lay down the things of this world and you pick up the oil and you choose to surrender. And you choose to stop tolerating what the world says you should tolerate. You choose to walk in holiness because you know sin defiles the temple and you are a temple of his presence. The more we tolerate, the more we quench the power and flame of the Holy Spirit within us. But the more we submit and surrender to his word, the stronger the flame grows. Let it grow. Let it grow today. Leviticus 6.13. This is about God's temple in the Old Testament. A fire shall always be burning on the altar. It shall never go out. Don't let it go out. Choose today to pick up your oil and keep the fire aflame. 